How's it going, guys? It is Thursday, August 26th, episode 170. Today, I have Alan Chu, CEO of Enya. Enya is working to scale the Ethereum blockchain without compromising security. Alan is the co-president of the Sanford Angels and Entrepreneurs Alumni Network, in which uh, they have also participated in building Enya and promoting it. I learned a lot myself in this episode, and I think you guys will as well. So be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about Enya, Alan Chu, and blockchain in general. Enjoy. All right, Alan, welcome to the Blockhash podcast live. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing, Brendan? Doing well. You look like you're in transit. You're on the move. Yeah, I needed to do some emergency drop off, but I'm stopped, so totally safe. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, tell me about your background. Where are you from? Um, how did you how did you get into this space? Sure, I grew up in Hong Kong and Vancouver and studied computer engineering while I was an undergrad, and that led me to jumping into the software world after I graduated from college. Um, and interestingly. The first company was a distributed systems company focused by the and what was fascinating about that uh, was we needed to build software that would never go down. And it me off fascination with building distributed systems that are resilient, they have a lot of redundancy. And later on I ran product and another startup that uh, that built globally distributed storage systems again systems that had no single point of failure so when blockchains came along um it was like a dream come true so i felt that i had to jump in yeah was there anything about blockchain in particular that you really liked or that got you excited about the space made you want to be a part of it well the whole decentralized decentralized nature of blockchain is fascinating they're scalable they're censorship persistent uh, there's tons of redundancy the system is always up and it's really hard to take down a blockchain when it's received, uh, achieved network effect, critical network effect. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. There's something beautiful about a decentralized system that I think gets us all want to be a part of the space. Um, and so what are you guys doing with Enya exactly? That's how I pronounce it, right? Yes, that's right. So when my co-founder, Jan Laporte, who's an engineering professor at Stanford, and I co-founded Enya, we wanted to build a company that would restore balance of power between individuals and large centralized entities. And that's, we, we started by focusing on giving agency and control of data, well, focusing on the edge devices. So on that front, we figured out to leverage advanced cryptography, like secure multi-party computation, for example, to protect individual's data on their phone are still allowing certain analysis done to data without sharing the data in the clear. And then we moved on to building on the blockchain because we realized that to develop an end-to-end -end solution, we just the edge on devices like mobile phones, but also needed to make sure that decentralized infrastructures are all usable, and open to developers from levels to build on 
the decentralized infrastructure realize potential Web3 and world where individuals have more control over how the data is going to be used. Okay, got it. So is this pretty much uh, data protection focused or are you helping facilitate you know, building dApps for different kinds of things as well or, or just data? This is really going to be a long journey that will look through multiple phases. Our current focus is making sure that, that Ethereum continues to scale, that it is inclusive, that it can continue to grow with more developers and more users to come to the network. And, and Ethereum scalability limitations are known, and many smart teams are working on resolving them. And jumping into in we've jumped into this world to help achieve that mission, but we're taking a broader view of what it means to have an inclusive and scalable ecosystem. Yes, it is important to improve throughput. It is important to reduce gas fees, but it's also important to make sure that developers who are not familiar with smart contracts can contribute to, which is why we are introducing a capability. In, in Bulba, in our Ethereum layer two solution that allows smart contracts to trigger code that runs on web scale infrastructure such as AWS so that developers can write sophisticated algorithms in whatever language they, they want that might be too expensive or too slow to execute on chain. Got it. What's Boba? Is that like an, a network you guys built out? Boba is the name of a an Ethereum layer two solution that we've been working on for uh, for several months now. Uh, we started off by by collaborating with the Optimism team to build on their code base, and we add our own take on what we believe a really compelling Ethereum layer two ought to be, such as uh, a near fast exit bridge that allows users to withdraw their funds in just a few minutes as opposed to waiting for seven days to withdraw. And we added features like hybrid compute to enable a much broader spectrum of apps to be built on Ethereum and to, to enable more to be movement. We are also going to be rolling out a DAO to help govern the network. And the goal is to really maximize community participation so that they feel like they have a stake in, in the well-being and of, of Boba, of this Ethereum layer two. Okay, so is Boba like more scalable, um, more cost-effective, um, less fees um, when you use it coupled with Ethereum as a, as a layer two? Exactly. Okay, got it, got it. Um, so hold on, I, I can pull up the website too. I'm going to do this. Uh, bear with me here because it looks pretty cool. Wait, wait, wait. Aha. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's more sustainable, scalable, low cost, um, lots of other you know, capabilities for, for developers and whatnot. Um, do you guys have any use cases or things that you've you know, been able to build out thus far through Enya um, with, with Boba? So Boba is still very new. We just, we've just okay. announced mainnet beta last week. And just this morning, um, Dodo have announced their partnership with us. And they're one of the most innovative DeFi projects out there, pioneer the PMM model. And we have many partners who will be coming on board as well. 
Okay. When when did you roll this out? Uh, when did it come out again? Mainnet beta was just announced last Thursday. Oh wow! So it's like really brand new. Yes, it is. Very nice. Very nice. Um, what? Okay. So what are you guys looking to do? Like going into the rest of the year, um, for the rest of 2021, going into 2022. What's? Do you guys have like a roadmap or a timeline? What do you guys want to accomplish? Uh, certainly, we're looking towards taking our mainnet live uh, within the, the rest of the year. And currently, we're also very much focused on building a developer ecosystem around Boba, working with not just uh, the most people's favorite dApps, uh, DeFi protocols to bring them onto our network, but also building partnerships with infrastructure providers to, to make sure that we have all the service, necessary infrastructure services and toolings that developers have come to expect when they build on a, an, a layer two network. In terms of roadmap, uh, there's still a lot to be built in, in addition to making sure that we have a, uh, uh, a really robust rollout for the mainnet itself. We're gonna be focused on figuring out how to uh, decentralize some of the components that will initially be centralized. Uh, and, and these components start out centralized really for security reasons to make sure that they are operating the way we expect them to, um, that we, we have full, we can respond to any, any bugs that are discovered very rapidly, but over time, uh, it would make more sense to turn as many of these components as possible over to the community and to the broader ecosystem, to third parties to operate so that we uh, move closer and closer to a fully decentralized layer two. Got it. You said that this was um, put together by Stanford faculty and alumni, correct? That's right. Are there other initiatives at Stanford, you know, around blockchain and crypto, um, similar to, to Enya, um, that they're uh, working on or building or helping promote uh, that you're familiar with? Um, cause I'm kind of curious, I've never really talked to anyone from Stanford in terms of like blockchain and crypto and stuff like that. So I'm not quite kind of sure what they're trying to foster on campus. Uh, Stanford itself is, is quite decentralized with a lot of innovation happening across the campus. A lot of initiatives that are started by faculty members and students and alumni. Um, one of the, um, the hubs of blockchain activities is the Stanford blockchain club which is led by a number of very enthusiastic uh, students who are passionate about Web3, passionate about blockchain and decentralization, and incredibly well-connected and knowledgeable. And they've built up this community of, of um, students and faculty members uh, who, who really are, have come together to learn from each other and, and to push the uh, decentralization movement forward. And they often bring in uh, really, uh, intriguing industry speakers to share their knowledge from the field to make sure that uh, faculty members and students are uh, in touch with what's going on out there in the real world and not just focus on on uh, on academic research alone. For example, just last week, they hosted a talk on DAO uh, and invited Amy Wu from Lightspeed uh, and Rachel and Omakase from the Sushi team to talk about the role of venture capital and DAO um, in, in that context. And that was, it was a fascinating, very insightful talk. And these, these talks happen all the time. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Students probably love that stuff.
is there like a track at Stanford yet where you can, you know, um, learn to be into the blockchain or crypto industry? Like maybe you want to be a developer or something like that. Do they have like a course curriculum or a track to get students like in that direction? Um, there's no one track per se, actually. Uh, different schools have different offerings around blockchain technologies. Engineering school has quite a number of offerings, including a course called Beyond Bitcoin taught by my founder, Labrat. The business school uh, certainly has a number of uh, courses on blockchain as well. Katie Han from uh, A16Z is one of the faculty members at the business school. And the law school, for example, has uh, offerings about the blockchain, less focused on the technology, more focused on legal and regulatory aspects of the technology and uh, doing research around what, what would be the, uh, the appropriate regulatory frameworks, for example, when it comes to uh, uh, regulating decentralized projects. What types of things have they thought about in terms of regulations around decentralized products? Because I know that's a really interesting industry and space and you know it's hard to define something from a regulatory perspective and framework something that's decentralized have they come up with ideas on how to do that that might be beneficial for state or government legislators or finance there's been a lot of a lot of uh, uh articles and research done uh, written and research done in that area um that topic in and of itself probably deserves yet another podcast and interview. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I'll be happy to look up the, the latest copy of their journal and send it along after the show. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to read into that. That, that would sound interesting. Um, yeah. Another question on Enya. So why focus on building a solution for Ethereum? Um, there's a lot of other blockchains out there, some of them far more superior than Ethereum. Uh, why, why focus on Ethereum? Why put so much energy and effort into it? Absolutely. There are uh, many alternatives to Ethereum and some technologically superior. What Ethereum has going for it, though, is its network effect. It does have a lot of traction, a lot of liquidity and users, um, which is amazing despite its shortcomings, despite its limitations. And through my years of, of company building and also investing in startups as a VC, what I always pay attention to is it's not so much the flaws of any companies or project, but how much is resonating with the market, how much is resonating with users and, and customers. And that's something that Ethereum has going for it. Imagine if even though it is not technologically the most superior solution, yet it is still being used by so many people. It has still attracted so much TVL onto its network, total value locked to its network. Imagine what would happen to this ecosystem if we start removing, start overcoming some of these limitations. Yeah, Ethereum 2.0 is supposed to help eliminate a lot of these, you know, limitations and roadblocks. Do you think that we're going to get to that anytime soon? Or do you think that it's kind of getting to an inflection point with some of the other projects out there that, you know, could start taking away a lot of Ethereum's market share? Because um, that does seem like a reality right now. Do you, do you feel that Ethereum is going to be able to stay competitive and keep up, or do you think it's going to you know, fall behind a little bit? There's a lot of competitive pressure out there, which is great for, for end users at the end of the day because competition drives innovation. And, and the, the growth of Ethereum alternatives has certainly created a sense of urgency within the Ethereum community to move as quickly as possible 
to a more scalable, more cost-effective future infrastructure and ETH2 is part of the solution. And so the rollups like Boba Network, because it it's going to be, um, we, we all need to work together to make sure all of these different ways of scaling Ethereum are complementary to each other. And that's how things are, are shaping up. In the past, there were hopes that maybe one whole new world is going to solve all of the problems in Ethereum. But as it turns out, it actually makes more sense, for example, to have ETH2 focus on data sharding and have rollups focus on scaling transactions. And that's a much more uh, achievable uh, vision while still scaling Ethereum very effectively in, in it in, and within the time frame of relevance. Absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on on that. Um, you know, one of the well, actually, it's not the only one, but everything from DeFi to NFTs to DAOs to um, to staking, so many things are, you know, really driving more people into Ethereum and creating a lot of interest and moving a lot of money around a lot of developments happening as a result of those, you know, micro niches. Um, is there one in particular that you like the most? Like, do you have thoughts on, on DeFi or NFTs or DAOs in particular um, that, that you think, you know, might outperform in other spaces on Ethereum or that might help Ethereum grow? Um, a lot more going into the future? That's a great question. Um, as, it, the build, as a builder of a layer two platform, we are building a universal platform that appeals to all projects. We welcome all DeFi projects and NFT marketplaces and creators to come because they all could benefit from faster transactions and lower gas fees. And as DeFi protocols become increasingly sophisticated, they may want to take advantage of our hybrid compute capabilities to enable more uh, sophisticated algorithms that are more capital efficient. On top of that though, I'm very excited about the, the DAO movement. And I was in Paris to attend ECC, for example, last month and attended an event called the Daoist where dozens of frontline DAO practitioners came together to share the lessons learned. And why why am I so excited about DAO? I'm seeing, a, first of all, a lot of smart people trying to figure out how to leverage a new organizational structure, such as DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, to align interests, right? To make sure individuals are properly compensated for their expertise, for their sweat equity, for their efforts, for their influence, for getting for writing thoughtful proposals, for getting the right kinds of proposals passed, for deep deeply engaging in the projects that they care about, and and that fundamentally changes the balance of power again between individuals and large centralized entities. With the creation of DAO and and crypto aligning uh, to as as a reward mechanism for individuals. Now suddenly you could be a 13 year old no name kid from anywhere in the world. You could contribute to a project of your choice or multiple project, crypto projects of your choice and get rewarded for your efforts without revealing your identity, which eliminates gender bias, racial biases. It's, it's really about how well you code, how well you write proposals and how you're able to build up your social capital and influence and, and get galvanized action around certain proposals. It's, it's truly merit-based. And, and that's what I'm so ex why I'm so excited about DAOs and why uh, as Boulder Networks governors will be rolling out a DAO as well, because that's the kind of world that we want to create.
Yeah, DAOs are very exciting. They can apply to so many different things. Like you could have a DAO to represent, you know, a company or organization or a foundation. You could have a DAO to represent, you know, a government body. You could have a DAO to represent a school potentially. Um, it's cool because it takes a organizational aspect, combines it with a decentralized aspect, and you can do so many creative things with it. I'm sure you agree. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the and the the levels of, of innovation and the kinds of experiments that really smart DAO practitioners are, are running, um, really amazing, the level of creativity and how much we're learning from how a lot of different DAO models are working in different contexts. And, um, you know, I, I was a VC for eight years before jumping back to, to building companies. And what I always pay attention to, uh, I mentioned, you know, which projects will be taking off and, and uh, getting user attraction and customer attraction, but you also pay attention to where smart people are going and, and spending uh, the time on and dedicating the efforts into, and, and DAO, I'm seeing a ton of smart folks figuring out how best to structure different DAOs for different purposes. Do you have an opinion on the DeFi space? Um, it's definitely one of those areas that's really fast moving and always changing. And you always got a new food based swap and all these different liquidity solutions and whatnot. Um, it's, it's exciting to try and keep up with, but also really difficult. But do you have like an opinion on the space or where you think maybe that's heading? Yeah, what I'm excited about DeFi is um, there's so many project teams innovating around different financial models, different types of instruments. And collectively as an ecosystem, we're seeing really an open financial system being built uh, in front of us that will one day grow to offer a you know, really viable, robust alternative to the centralized financial systems that we've grown to now over the years. Um, that said, it, it there is a lot of noise. And as a new project team, it it's going to be increasingly difficult to break through the noise and get and get people's attention. Um, besides, every project is open sourced, so is you know it, it, you can't rely on really rely on proprietary licenses to uh, to give you a sustainable edge. I mean, even if you say people can't copy your code. There's got, there could always be an anon team that comes out of nowhere that just copied your code and you don't even know who did it. So ultimately the source of defensibility comes from having a really vibrant, engaged community around your project, right? Because while you can fork somebody else's code, it's really hard to fork a community. And, and that takes hard work. That takes hard work. It takes hard work and it takes time to build community, to engage with them, to really respect their input so that they will continue to be engaged. They feel like they have a say and they have a stake in, in the future success of the project. But therein lies the, the future and the longevity of the project. Um, what else is going to ensure a project will going to, it's going to continue to live on beyond the original project team other than the community itself. Yeah, no, I, I love the space. It's it's got, there's so many projects and so much they're doing and it's, um, it's very competitive, very, very competitive. And, you know, I think in the end, it'll be one of those things that helps start displacing centralized financial bodies and systems and that will help bring us a lot of good solutions, but it's very rudimentary at the same time. So it's, it's been around for like, what, a year and a half, like not, not a long time. So a lot of room to grow. Absolutely. Um, I, we have some questions from the audience. You mind answering a few? Sure. Okay. 
Um, yeah, someone's asking the what would the utility be of the OMG token on Boba Network? Well, I'm not at liberty to really talk about the token just yet, but rest assured that everyone in the project team is an OMG bag holder, and we're doing everything we can to make sure OMG token holders are going to see value accrue to the token. Is there um, an application for using OMG token on Boba Network? Maybe you mentioned it and I, I missed it earlier. Well, definitely, since, like, for example, we're going to be rolling out a DAO and only oh, okay. and token holder, right? So, so token holders uh, will be able to vote on proposals on the DAO and, and the tokens will have to be uh, uh, deposited on the Boba Network in order to participate in the DAO. And that also serves as an incentive to attract more tokens to the Boba network. I'm getting a lot of OMG and Boba questions. Um, why is there a lack of marketing around OMG and Boba? Is it just you don't want to like speak too much about it yet? Or um, have, do you guys have a marketing plan going forward for it? Well, we definitely have a marketing plan going forward. We've been heads down in, in build mode and we rather than pre-announcing what we're going to do uh, it's much better to do what we do and then announce the results when they happen and as for example when our mainnet beta was ready we announced that it was ready when our partner dodo was ready to announce that they are launching on boba we they announced and we co-announced this morning and as our work comes to fruition and we, as we start seeing more and more partners come to the table, our community will hear more about more and more about these announcements. Yeah, I think people are just just excited about it. I think that's all it is. But oh, here's another one. Where will there be a swap between OMG and Boba? Like, will you be able to swap them back and forth? Probably on a deck somewhere, right? Well, we haven't even announced that there will be a Boba token yet. So this is not a, a question I'm able to, to answer, really. Oh, so you're not sure if there's going to be a Boba token yet? I can't talk about it. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, okay, I think that's all the questions for now, but we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there so we don't dive in too much about Boba and tokens and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alan, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. Really appreciate it and diving in, talking about Enya and DAOs and DeFi a little bit. Um, I'm sure a lot of people really do appreciate it, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're kind of in your car at the moment, so... Um, thank you. My pleasure. It was a really fun conversation. Look forward to, to coming back for another chat.